Hello, and welcome back to the Side Out Stronger podcast. As always, I am your host, Coach Jordan. Today, we have a bit of a different episode. So we have uh, some of my good friends, uh, the 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 Alan Flanix, I should say, Dan and Taylor. And today, we're going to kind of cover the idea of if you're just starting out at a new gym, or you're looking for a gym, or looking for a coach, what do you do? Because we know how intimidating um, and difficult of an experience it could be when you're starting out. If you're starting out in training, if you're really taking that step to take control of your health. So we want to talk about some of the details, what to look for, some red flags, and everything in between. So enjoy this one. Let's get into it. Hi, guys. For those of us that have not had the, you know, pure luck to be meeting you guys uh this is dan and this is taylor these are some of my great friends um former coach athletic professional network people and uh, i'm really really excited to have these guys on today because uh, i've done some work with dan and taylor before and i've learned a lot from them and they've got a really cool um well they've got a really cool gym to start with and they got a really successful community business model and the main thing that uh, you guys are here for is we're going to talk about how do you get into the gym and how do we kind of start this journey if you're new entirely to the gym and you're freaked out by going and you're not really sure how to find a place that works for you and maybe you're intimidated or just had a bad experience previously and you're not really sure where to start. So welcome, guys. Um, first of all, who are, who are you? Who are you? What do you do? You can go first, Taco. I'm no one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm Taylor. I'm a chiropractor, and then I also coach here at the gym. Um, that's a good synopsis. Really selling yourself here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm be like modesty, modesty <laughs> central. Uh, I'm Dan. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. Um, we have with Taylor and I, and my brother-in-law Jeff. He's a chiropractor. Um, we all kind of run the gym together. Uh, my sister is involved too. She, but she handles all like the admin and finances and honestly, all the stuff that I just can't do. Um, and, uh, yeah, yep. and, uh, we've had the gym about, uh, we're on year five now. And before that, uh, you know, college and I was coaching at different, uh, colleges as an intern and, and grad assistant and stuff like that. Um, but, but we've been ha- having this gym for about five years now. And just for a bit of context for, um, because most of my audience right now is at least in Ontario growing quickly though, um, Dan and Taylor are down in a small community called skinny Atlas, which is just outside of Auburn, which is for us folks up here, South of, um, Syracuse, Syracuse. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yep. It matters. So this is, I want a quick version here, but you know, we can go into this forever. I'm sure. What got you guys into training and what got you guys starting your own place? Like, why didn't you just go to some other place? Um, you want to go first? Well, I was in chiropractic school when Dan really opened the gym. I was busy. I would clean and I would come and study while I was trying to coach, which didn't work very well. <laughs> it was more coaching than studying. But um, And we... Training for me, I started training and training people probably shouldn't have been. I definitely shouldn't have been, but I was like 18, my first clients. Um, and I had been working out. Like, I mean, I always kind of like exercise as in sports and stuff like that. Did some weight room stuff, but never took it seriously. And then uh, when I was 18 in college, I think I was just under a lot of duress um, and just kind of stressed out. And for my, I was a college baseball player and I just, I was getting burnt out. I was going through some personal stuff with a family member who was really sick, um, who ended up passing away. And I had a, a bout of like just random, like idiopathic pancreatitis is what the diagnosis was, which is just like, we don't know why, but you have pancreatitis. Typically it's associated with alcoholism, but I, that wasn't the, the reason that I had it. Um, and uh, so I got really sick and was in the hospital and I couldn't eat for like a week. Um, and that happened like twice. I had two bouts of it in a summer and, uh, I was really weak after, uh, I, I remember my mom had a friend who was a trainer and she set me up with her. Uh, and the agreement was I would clean the gym and she'd train me And my very first day, like, you know, as an athlete, so being doing pushups, 20, 30 pushups was like, I could do that. Wasn't much of a challenge, but at that point I like, I remember doing like a couple pushups and I had to run to the bathroom and I was throwing up. 
Um, so then I came back from that and, and really got a lot healthier and stronger and, and, uh, really dialed in my diet at the time. And, uh, and so that, that got me into training. And then I also saw my cousin who was the one who was really sick. He had cancer and he'd be doing like push-ups and sit-ups and, um, just staying strong while in the hospital when he was going through chemo and the nurses would be yelling at him to get back in his room. He'd be like, I got to stay strong. And, um, and that was, I just remember seeing that and seeing how positive it was for him to, to be training really, you know, some sort of training. And so I wanted to dive into that. So I went to, I transferred school, stopped playing baseball. I uh, just got kind of burnt out and went into exercise science for my degree program. And then that's kind of, you know, from there, went to grad school and then opened the gym not long after that. So that's kind of my, my path into training. Um, Taylor's got, like, she started really lifting in, in college. In college. Yeah. It was right before we met. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. I was using those like pre-weighted barbells and I was just like moving them around in no way was it actually an exercise. Um, but I was just, I was having a really hard time, I think with just like friends and connection and that kind of thing, like the whole like freshman feeling. So I had like a really fun freshman year, but it was didn't not very much myself, I guess. Um, I wouldn't say that I felt like at home or like I was really true to myself in that year. And I really noticed that in my sophomore year um, of college. So I started kind of just reevaluating my choices, my decisions, why I was making them. And then I started going to the gym and taking care of myself. I would carry a jar of peanut butter around in my backpack. <laughs> um, still does. <laughs> still <laughs> um, but it, it helped me. I took a nutrition course that was just along the path for my major, which kind of helped me reconceptualize like what things I should be fueling my body with and how I should be treating it and things like that. So I was going to the gym every day on my lunch break. And on the days where I was going home, I would get up early and make the gym before class. And I just started really making it a priority. Um, and I didn't really notice that I was losing weight or that my like body composition was changing or really anything throughout the process until like a year and a half in maybe like it took me a really long time to really see that even though little things like my clothes started fitting differently and stuff like that kind of came along the way too. Um, and then Dan and I met while I was going through some of that, (laughs) him and our friend Jim taught me how to actually squat with like the big barbell and all that stuff and deadlift and bench press and overhead press. And so I started going to the gym like six days a week. And then I started doing two a days where I was running in the morning and I was like, I don't know, I've always been psycho, but, um, it became like the best positive outlet, um, for myself because it allowed me to challenge myself in ways that I didn't, I hadn't before. Like, I don't think I intentionally put myself in difficult situations or, difficult enough situations that I really had to like challenge myself to, to get out of them. Um, so I think it definitely changed my perspective on like just my, my potential in school, my potential in the weight room and my vision on like my whole self-esteem kind of changed from there and my capabilities. Um, and like Dan said, after undergrad, Dan went to Baylor for a year and interned with the teams down there, which was cool. Um, I finished up at Ithaca. We moved to Nashville. Um, I worked as a chiropractic assistant and Dan was, um, originally like a, he was going to be a teacher. And then after that, he just went into basically training and started his business really in Nashville. That's kind of like where I feel like you really started some things there. Yeah. And then I wanted to go back to chiropractic school So we decided to move back up to the Finger Lakes because there was a school up here. And after that, after training out of Syracuse for a little bit and the commute being really far from where we were living, the gym just kind of organically happened after that in a really tiny office underneath of a bar. Yeah. (laughs) Like in a literally 
we were in basements the first two locations we had one was like the stairs were from the 1800s and i'm not exaggerating sketchy and like i'm like there's no <laughs> way that I'm, thank goodness the code enforcement officer is not yeah. coming here because we'd be shut down in a heartbeat and the barbell was like going nervous. up the stairs once that's all yeah <laughs> yeah we had a way out but we were like a room within a room it was mm-hmm. crazy now we're in like a like 2,500 square foot. Mm-hmm. Like we got a turf room and a weight room. It's like a... And we're on like level ground. We're yeah. not in a basement anymore. <laughs> Crazy. Like, we were for the first two locations. Yeah, it's like a gangster college weight room. That's, <laughs> that's the way I describe it to people. It's exactly like a like college weight rooms. You'll have a, a turf room and then you'll have your weight room. And, and that's exactly what we have. So it's modeled after kind of the college sector. Um, and we wanted to bring like strength and conditioning, like with, like but to every demographic. And that's that's what we do. That was like the most comprehensive background ever. That was perfect. Um, <laughs> no, I appreciate it, guys. It's it's fantastic. Um, so that kind of sets the tone getting into the stuff I really wanted to cover. Um, and maybe we'll start with your gym first, and then we can translate that into other people looking for a gym or looking for uh, their own culture. So you talked about how your own experiences both within like the college training setting and like Taylor, you rediscovering training um, when you're going through college and how that shaped your new mentality and how that shaped, shaped your confidence and your ability to push through things. Aside from just the, the pure setting of like, we have barbells, we have racks, we have, we have turf. How do you guys, how do you guys create that environment where people are not only pushed, but new people come in and say, Hey, look, like this is a family unit. This isn't just bros working out. How do you create that, that dynamic where you still have hard work, but it's not intimidating for new people because I know you guys do that really well. And this might be really hard to put into words, but I'm going to push you. Tell me I feel it. Yeah. It's, I haven't thought a ton about it, but my answer might be different after some reflection, but I think it, I think for me, like, I don't know. I think, I, I don't think people talk about it a ton, but I think in mean, my experience is training people a significant portion. I don't want to put a percentage on it, but I deal with like in this day and age, like it's a, there's a lot of pressures, there's anxiety, there's constant comparison. I think there's just a lot of like psychological things that people go through that, they might not talk about to anyone and not that I assume everybody's just struggling or anything like that, but try to empathize with that person and how it might feel to be vulnerable and how it might feel to be new or uh, want to lose weight or want to get better at their sport. Cause a lot of times you'll have kids or, or like athletes will come in and specific to that demographic who are like freaks and that like are just great at their sport. But a lot of times it's those kids that are kind of uh, in the like, within a standard deviation pretty much or like average. So they're the ones that tend to seek out because they're like, they might be looking at someone who's like starting or they want that starting position or they want to get bigger because they can't compete as well as they think they can, if they had a little more muscle mass or faster or whatever their goals may be. Um, Sometimes we get those just crazy talented people in here or or whatnot. We have all different demographics and a lot of those people are vulnerable or at least I imagine that that they are. You don't really always know. We just try and treat people like, you know, how, how I would want to be treated in that situation um, and, and build a relationship with them and, and show them that the weight room is a fun place and help them develop a healthy relationship with coming. And um, I think that there's, I think people watch too many movies and watch too many YouTube videos and watch too much Instagram and see too many coaches, you know, screaming or whatever. And I'm not, you know, if that's their personality and it's authentic, then by all means, but it's just, I think you just got to, yeah, I don't know if it is. Um, and at times it's not like you get excited or you get like, there is coaching that goes into like, that goes into things that you might get that way at times. But um, for a local gym where people are just trying to come in and get better, like it's just, we just want to make it really inviting. Like we just want to make it a place where they remember, man, I, I learned how to train there now, you know, and I have a good fond memory of it. So I think it just comes down to like empathizing with people um, and, and going, and then however you do that, like I'm a lot more, I'm not a big screamer, I'm not a yeller, like I'm pretty calm when I coach, I get excited, but that's just my personality. Dan's a hugger. I'm a hugger, for <laughs> yes. sure. I'm like, yes. I've, yeah, I love, I love the people that I coach and 
I genuinely do. It's my community. It's my family. I mean, we all do. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a good answer, but just like, I think being empathetic and that doesn't mean like being super, super nice. I think people mistake empathy with like overly being kind and like, but it's because it, it means holding people accountable because they're asking you to do something. So it's not to not, you know, to be too like a pushover or anything like that. Like, I don't know. Imagine I don't have kids, but or I have a dog and sometimes being empathetic means like, you know, holding them accountable to doing the right thing. We're doing what they, he needs to do to achieve his goals. Lovely. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. Like, like it's, it's not the Teletubbies. Like, we're not, <laughs> but, it, you know, but it's a place where you like, you don't come in and you're like nervous to be in here because you're like, it's a, like, we make yeah. it fun and we're like, we're just, we're goofballs, but we right. work hard. So, I mean, I also think like when someone's seeking out help with, fitness, nutrition, any of that stuff, it's a very vulnerable thing. Like they're coming from a vulnerable place because they need help on it. They want help on it. So they're seeking out like your experience, your expertise, um, and they're looking for results. But I also think going along with that, coming from that vulnerable place, like most people haven't been in a weight room like this. Most of our population haven't ever seen or touched barbells before. So learning different exercises, learning the way that we do them, learning the program and the way to read it and how to do all this stuff and understanding what this exercise even means and all of that, it's coming, you're learning a new sport, um, regardless of what you're coming in for. And so it's all brand new. Um, and I think it still goes back to being empathetic, but we had somebody just the other day, I think it was yesterday that said, um, like that came back after a while and she was like, I like one of the reasons that I'm here is because like, I'm really wanting to like get back into lifting and taking care of myself and all of that. But I've also always felt like this is a place where I can like open up and um, like talk about how I'm feeling and things like that. It's, it feels like a safe space and setting that tone comes from you, you know, like it comes from us. It comes from being able to receive that, being able to accept that, being able to relate to that. And like, I know I can. So especially being like a woman in the weight room, it's really tough yeah. sometimes. And so coming it, from, yeah, I mean, relating to people, understanding that like we went through it too, but being the people that I think we wish that we had in the weight room is how we set the tone for other people coming into the weight room. Yep. Love yep. It. All that. Yeah. <laughs> All that. All that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Um, one of the things that I think is pretty prevalent in the population of people that are apprehensive to start is they look and see other people, even if it's not intimidating in like a like big roaring yelling sense, they see people and maybe it's their peers that have been there for a couple of years or whatever it is. And they see them doing these heavy squats or deadlifts or whatever it is, sprints, prowlers, you know, and they, they see the numbers that somebody might be putting up or just what it looks like visually. And they think, oh, I'm not even close to that. And I can never get that. And what's even the point? So what would you say to somebody that, you know, is getting intimidated by what they perceive to be the, the big gap between where they are and where they want to be, especially when their friends are there and they're not, and they're maybe not intimidated, but just um, overwhelmed by the, the, the leaps and bounds that they feel like they need to go. I, that I think we try to like manage expectations up front yeah. and just tell people like, I'm just really honest. Like, like, look, you're, <laughs> you might look around and see that, but like the culture we have here and it's just, and the way I think we've created that culture is just by telling people, this is how we do it. Like, this is what we do. I just tell them, I don't, I don't really give a shit what you lift. Like it doesn't matter. Like all we can, I don't care what that guy's lifting. Like, it's everybody's got different starting points, just like in anything, whether it's, you know, math or science or lifting, like, or what everybody's got different starting, starting points. And some people start a little bit further ahead than others, but that doesn't really matter. What matters is that like you're making progress. And so just make it really clear that we celebrate each individual's progress. So I'm just as happy if you lift 185 pounds versus the guy who lifts 585 pounds or the girl, I don't, I don't care. It's like, it's not, we, we, we utilize numbers to quantify progress, but I don't, I, I really don't give a shit. And I think that's the kind of the, we don't. And so I think that that is, it's not just saying it. We actually don't <laughs> care what that. So, so I think that's, we're just really upfront with people. And then like, I'll like, I work with the kids mostly. I'll tell them like, yo, this, 
this, this young, whoever it is, young person's about to go, like, let's cheer them on. Let's go like, Hey, and I'll be the first one there. And over time they just start doing it. Actually, I actually have a quick story. There was this kid, Oh yeah, he's bigger kid and just like weak and kind of in a family that has like a bunch of freak athletes, but he was kind of the, the runt, um, if you will. And, but I love, I actually really love those kids. Like they're, I love working with, with kids who are a little bit outcasty or like not, they're some of my favorites. And, uh, I remember it was in the old gym, the one you actually came in and interned, helped out at for a while. And they still, I mean, for, for a while after some of the kids are graduating now, but they would talk about you like, where's Jordan from Canada? So, um, but anyway, a trip, a trip. yeah, you could do That'd be great. So this is cool. The impact you made relatively quickly too. And, uh, I remember it was like after school, it's like an after school program. And there were like six or seven kids in the weight room and we had like five or six racks and they like literally the kid did like, 135 pounds for the first time on a bench press and he did it like three times and uh he racked the bar and like the kids were screaming like literally kids were jumping on the racks shaking them and i was like yes louder let's bring this place down i don't care if the whole place falls down before he even gets up he pumps his fist in the air stands up and just walks around around the weight room shaking his head (laughs) like this and like i literally was like in the corner trying not to cry because i'm like just the, you know, I know you can't say like weightlifting builds confidence. Like there's maybe no quantifiable data. I don't know what the answer is on that. But once again, I don't really care. Like you can't tell me that kid walked out of that weight room, not having belts, like not having the self-esteem of a superhero yeah. for that day. And Well, those and, kids weren't even like a group of friends that hung out all the time. Yeah. They were just like random kids that were like from the same school. Yeah. So having that reaction organically yeah it's just so cool and i won't accept anything other than that like mm-hmm. if i mean i'll educate a, a kid but i've kicked them out of the weight room before like if you're just being disrespectful to other people or just oh, to the yeah. weight room itself like and that and other and when other kids see that they're like oh man dan means business here like yeah. this is for and, and i do like it, there's things i will not bend on and it's and being kind and positive to other people and inside is like one of those things i just will not bend on. So for sure. No, it's cool. I've got, uh, I've got a similar situation with, uh, or like after school called the young achievers. And, uh, so a a couple of them are volleyball centric couple or not, but, um, there's this, these two athletes that train together. One's pretty quiet and one's not at all. And they happen to be in the same, they, they call it power fit up here. It's a course where you do like lifting in school and, so this, how old were they? They were grade 10 at the time and they were doing bench press. And I heard this after, but uh, she was bench pressing and he was spotting her and she was repping out like 105 on bench and the rest of the, and she's like, you know, five foot three or something tank of volleyball player. And the rest of the group's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> and, I was, and they came back and told me and I was just so friggin' excited and uh yeah it's it it changes ways in it changes them in ways that you wouldn't you wouldn't think about like again i don't care if it was 105 or if it was 35 but the fact that they came back and they just couldn't stop talking about it and how like proud she was that she was the person kind of setting the tone was yes yeah for sure yep no it's super cool um of all this stuff this stuff's so cool <laughs> so where do I go? Where do I want to go with this? Uh, Taylor, do you have anything to, you know, throw in there before we move on from the, this spot? I think he covered it for cool. the most part. It's yeah, just... gets excited. So I'll well, make yeah. sure. We don't I, I gotta, Taylor's always talk. I gotta say something about Taylor. She always talks about creating a healing environment. So like at our gym is rehab and general population. And then also sport performance. Like it's everything, mm-hmm. every demographic and Taylor, and Jeff Taylor frequently talks about creating a healing environment, um, which is, I think when, you know, people think chiropractor and then they think healing, healing environment, they're thinking about like a prototypical, like almost like a spa sort of setting. Right. Like, yeah. so it would, I'd imagine would come to most people's mind, but like the healing environment that I think Taylor has facilitated is like, you walk in and it's like rusty barbells, like from, like, it seems like you, you walk back in time into the 1970s. <laughs> And, uh, and like sleds and ropes and chains and tires and Atlas stones. And like, you wouldn't think you're like, this is a healing environment. And, um, I think that like, but I think, I truly think that's, it's, it's the best healing environment I've ever seen. Um, 
I'm obviously biased, but just, I just want to comment on that. Like, well, just it's not, something. It's not so much about like the surroundings and the decorations and the the like look and vibe of it. It's the feel of it. So as long as it's a positive environment that people want to come to, then I think it's going to add to their performance, their healing, their desire to be there, their consistency, all of that. Yeah. And the indifference toward comparisons. Like yes. we don't. It's every, so, pers- every PR is celebrated the yeah. same, whether it's 15 pounds or 500 pounds. Or you made it to the gym three times this week. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah, whatever. That and if PR not, yeah. then I'm texting you. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> So I, just to go back to the, like the welcomeness and whatnot, um, that's what, I think that's a piece of it too. I think, I think it's a healing environment. Um, I think it's a biopsychosocial healing environment. Hey, (laughs) dropping the BPS. (laughs) Um, No, I want, I want to stay on this topic for a little bit actually, because I love this and um, I think more people need to hear about it. And we've touched on this a little bit already, but this idea that, this kind of old school idea where, you know, gym is somewhere you just go and grind it out and yell a bunch and then you move on with your life and you get all muscly. Where in reality, um, what you guys are talking about, the healing environment, it's it's so much more than just lifting. And I think we need to talk more about that because people don't understand what's that what that's like until they go through the process. Because to me, it's you walk in, maybe you're having a crap day. This, you know, this, this happens a ton. And the the barbell just doesn't give a shit it's it's what it weighs it's going to tell you how you're doing it's going to give you affirmation that you can still do something maybe it's to take a bit of weight off maybe it's you add a bit of weight maybe it's you know anything in between but it's going to give you it's going to give you security in a way of saying like hey this is life you can handle this Let's have a session, whatever that looks like. And, you know, 99.999 times out of hundred, you're going to come out of that session feeling a lot better. And I think that needs to be talked about more. Yeah. I, I look at training the same way. I, I, I look at it. It's a, to me, it's like a martial art, What's really good? not necessarily in the sense, like you're, you know, you're grappling somebody or kicking and punching or whatnot, obviously, but it's just like, it's just a vehicle that you can utilize. Like I'm not so attached to it. I used to be, I'm not so attached to it. that I think it's like the only way or like, it's just like a martial art. Like someone finds the same sort of fulfillment in a different thing, like whatever it is, like good, like you might find it in cycling. You might find it in just doing volleyball. Like it's a martial art. That's, that's how I, that's how I think about it at least. So, and I think in martial arts, there's science to it and there's art, there's art to it. It's, um, and, so I, I don't know if it just helps me have like having that sort of perspective, you realize it's just a vehicle or a channel in which you can communicate a life philosophy to other people through um, in a way that isn't um, like not everybody wants to sit down and, and, and not even, it, may, it might not even work as well to just sit and talk about philosophy or to talk about how to, it, it works better, I think, to, through experiential learning. So you get to, you get to have a controlled setting in which you put people through experiences that help them develop a deeper understanding for themselves um, and perhaps even enhance their relationships with themselves uh, through the vehicle that we use, which is just training. Maybe in a different life, it would be, I don't know, maybe it'd be NASCAR. I don't know, but it's just, it's just my vehicle and Taylor's vehicle that we get to utilize as, as a way to, to show people these experiences that we've had. And then sometimes they take, they learn from it, similar concepts that we've learned but sometimes they learn things that are different, which actually thickens the understanding of what we have of, of how we can actually help people too. Yeah. And I think there's something really to be said about pushing yourself, not just physically, but like Taylor was talking about kind of pushing your boundaries. And I think that this is a very hard thing to conceptualize unless you've gone through it. Like, you know, the typical like uh, linear progression type thing where it's, you add some weight, you're not really sure if you're going to be able to do it and you put the safety precautions in place and all that stuff. And you make sure that you're as safe as you can. And then you kind of just go for it because you're capable of so much more than you think you are, especially within the first couple months of training and going through that experience of saying, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to try anyways is so incredibly powerful because it opens up so many other possibilities 
And for me, it was, okay, well, if I can do this, maybe I should reconsider what I can do other places because maybe I'm stronger mm-hmm. than I think in general. Yeah. Exactly. And I really like putting, ex- like, I think it's a cliche quote, whatever, like people meet, or tend to meet the expectations you, you set forth for them. It's a good one. And like, and then also what is it? I think it's a legitimate term in, I remember in sports psychology, a couple of classes in that, like self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I like instilling that in people. Like, I'll just tell them something. It's got to be something challenging, but like with, within that zone of proximal development, like you can't tell them like, you're going to do this in three weeks. And it's like, I don't know, deadlift 5,000, whatever. But um, just like instilling, I think people come in with goals, they think, but a lot of those goals are so generalized that there's they're, they're not really uh, tangible. It's like kind of out there, like, um, well, I want to get in shape. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's fine. And, and I get that. But like here, do, you're, this is what you're going to do. Do this. Like, <laughs> hey, you know, you want to dunk? All right. Like your box jump is here and your squats there. Let's get this there. Like that's what you're, there you go. Boom. And you're going to do it. And if, and if you, you set that goal, that's like, um, like where they don't necessarily believe they could do it. They're like, are you sure? But it's got, you got, you got to know if it's something actually attainable, you can't give them. That's how yeah. you lose trust real quick. But as, with experience, you're able to just like, you know, after seeing people move a little bit, you can, you can, you can kind of be pretty accurate with, yeah. with where you're, when you get to know your people, where they, where they can go. And the closer they get to it, you can say, Hey, you want to squat 135, you're squatting 120 this week. Yeah. You're definitely going to squat 135. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, one of the coolest things that we've done and we did it, oh, I did it at like my previous gym was, which was in the garage before this new one, but uh, we put up a goal board after the latest yep. lockdown mm-hmm. and it's been so cool um because at first people were like oh, like we'll we'll suggest a goal based on what they think is important say say it's bench just for an, a random thing yeah. and they're benching 95 and i'm like okay so 185 or 135 long term and they look at me like i have three heads and it's like just give it time and then very quickly they'll creep up towards that that goal and it, it's really amazing to watch them watch the progress and like we're lucky with technology where we can we can track our progress and they can literally see the graph plotted on the app. So that's neat. Yep. But uh, the, the other part of it is the the variety of goals that we have. So like we've got our volleyball um, youth population and some of them have like vertical goals. Like I want to add four inches to my vertical um, and we just got a vertex and it's a ton of fun. But uh, yeah. I'm going to be hitting you up where you got that because I want to get one. It's, it's from the States. So there you go. Um, but uh, like you just, so a couple of them say, I want to add four inches of my vertical and I'm like, okay, let's do it. We're going to do it through this, 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 but the goal is on the board. And when they walk in every day, they pass right by it. And it's like, okay, that's what we're working towards. Um, so that constant reminder of, Hey, we're here to develop in a variety of ways, but there's our kind of North star right now. Yeah. Um, and it just gives you a really nice way of, from a coaching perspective of saying, did we reach the goal or not? Or are we working towards the goal? Cause sometimes you're right. Like we get lost in the weeds of like, yeah, I mean, we're working on this and this and this. And sometimes it's just nice to say, you're like, did we do it? Yep. Yes or no. Right. And it's not always going to be yes. And at the end of the day, like you could have a, a goal and it's not, like you usually make progress if the, the program is good, but sometimes it's just not as fast as you want it to be. And that's to me a good thing because it just yeah. gives you more chance to grow into it. It's even harder than you thought and you need to put more work in. Mm-hmm. So I, I love at times that I love when people go through the experience of failing. It's not fun for them, but like being able to be a support for them. And, and once again, like the empathy piece of it, like, um, you know, have you, you remember Marcus? Oh yeah. How can I forget Marcus? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that kid. He's gonna be the president one day, though. But yeah. anyway, he. Uh, I remember he missed this. I forget what it was. A squat like two twenty five for a rep out. Like, and that kid came a long way. I told him he was like an eighty year old man. At like, he's like just no flex of it. Like he. Anyway, he like got. He's a leader in the weight room. Like he's been there a long time, and he got really mad after he failed a rep. And he, he like took his belt off and like threw it and like this. And like, I didn't like, he's in an emotional state. Like I'm going to give him a second, but that's, there's other, there's younger kids there. He's a leader. It's not okay. So 
like he failed. And I, like, we talked about afterwards. I'm like, like, you know, you, you, you got to come back and like have a more positive, like you can't, you can't do that in front. Like if you're a leader, you got to, you got to keep your composure yep. in front of, in front of people. And especially a kid like that, like who I genuinely think is going to be an extremely amazing leader when it, whatever he does in his life, like to be able to be a part of that lesson in that situation for him is like one of my favorite things. And then, you know, he, he learned, he, like he knew right away, like after, like he, and then it wasn't that day, but a month later he came back and he smoked it. I'm pretty, I don't know exactly it was a month, but he, he came back and he crushed it. Right. Like, and of course, like everyone loves that heroic story, that piece of it, like he bounced back and did it, but like being able to be there with him and, and like I said, create a safe environment for that to happen where like, it's not costing a company thousands of thousands of dollars and people losing jobs. It's not, you know, making a huge mistake in a medical profession and like, and like losing someone's life. Like it's, it's a really, it's okay. It's a good place to learn to do this and yeah. to learn how to handle yourself in really difficult situations. Cause it's really not that difficult of a situation, but in their minds, it really, it's, it's very real yeah. and it is for us too. And, and it, you gain that perspective. So not that I like failure or anything like that, but it's like who does, but it's, it's once again, it's the martial arts, the, the vehicle in which you can use. Like, so do you, I, now as I coach, like I just see so many people posting about like, like, everybody I think wants to be famous and they want to be right. And they want everybody to look at them and be like, look how smart and right and cool and strong and jacked you are. But like, and that's fine. But like the, the more that I coach, the more that I just want to find those moments, whether it's a kid or an adult, you have to approach them obviously different. Like an adult might respond, might feel like it's cheesy if you're teaching them the same way you might teach a kid, but there's always ways you can communicate with someone that's on their level and utilize what you're doing as a tool to, to help them understand things at a deeper level um, and, and I, in, at the end of the day, really try and help foster habits, both psychological and, and physical that help them become just, you know, more resilient human beings. I love the resilient word. I, I use it way too much. It's beautiful. Okay. That was so good. So good. Um, we could keep talking about that for a long time, but you know, mm-hmm. I got to move on. Um, so let's, let's bring this so we've talked about from our perspective as coaches and gym owners and clinicians and that kind of stuff. Let's try to give our people that, you know, they're all fired up now. All right, Dan, I'm in, let's go. Uh, what do I do? So let's, let's start with, if you're looking for a gym and you have no idea what to look for, and we're, t- we're, you know, they're bought into the idea of building resilience and using training as a tool to boat to, to improve our physical and mental health and, uh, you know, all this stuff. Where do you even start? How do you, how do you go about finding a gym that finds those values? Um, it's tough. I, it's really tough. Cause it's like they're Google. <laughs> um, and then. I, and I, when I, so when I look for a business, I, at times it depends on the industry. Some, I might look for that first thing that pops up on Google. That's like, I, I pay attention to the ones that say ad next to it. Yeah. That means they're paying to be there at the top of it. But the, basically the ones, the, the more raw, it seems, I don't want to say unprofessional, but the more like, the more it looks like that person who like runs that business created that website themselves and it's like not perfect. And it kind of looks a little like, like this person clearly didn't have any like web design skills or anything like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, that might be the place to go. Like the one that for a gym, especially like the one that, you, you know, maybe not intim- you might be a little intimidated to walk into, but it's like, maybe there's been whispers of this person that you've heard of that like is kind of somewhere and like, they, maybe they don't advertise a crazy amount. I, just kind of the one that like is off the beaten path. Like I'm not saying it unanimously, that's always the case, but a lot of times like, um, you know, people who have just built up a reputation through just coaching and like focusing on that, um, not worrying about trying to become Instagram famous and stuff like that. They're just like coaching and doing their thing and really serving the demographic. They're like, they're being about it rather than talking about it. Like that, that type of person that's who I would look for. Like, I don't, it's hard to give like, well, these are my criteria. I don't know. Go in, feel it out, train with them for a month. If you hate them, then quit and go find somewhere else and do it again. If you like them, then there you go. So I don't, I don't know if there's like, 
there's no certification that makes me think like that person's the best person. There's no degree that makes me think that person, it might be someone who never doesn't have a certification that doesn't have a degree in it, but has been lifting weights in their garage for 40 years and just coached people after school. And eventually one day was like, I'm going to do this myself. And then like it, the, the person who's got like the ton of skin in the game, I guess maybe that that's a, at least that's what I'd say. I don't know if that's the right way to go about it, but when I look for a different gym, like when a different, like when I'm visiting somewhere, like that's what I'm looking for. Um, the place that's off the beaten path. So what about you, Taylor? I am really picky. Good. <laughs> so I think, I think the process that I would probably go through if I was trying to find a gym Personally, I have previously had really difficult times in gyms where people are very like showy of their physique or whatever, because it used to make me really uncomfortable. Like if everybody has their shirt off, like a lot of times CrossFit gyms are like that. And I'm a lot better. I think about that now because that like other like that the underlying feeling of like not being okay in that situation is obviously like internal but knowing the culture of crossfit that could potentially be any crossfit gym that i walk into and like now i'd probably be fine like i said but i think being able to understand like the culture of what's around that gym so like you probably know when you go to a crossfit gym you probably know a little bit what to expect when you go to planet fitness you know Um, but I think some of the first steps to really figuring out if one of those or like a privately owned gym are going to be good for you is to interview, like in a way, like, you know, your first call, your first like discussion is basically you, like people interview us every time, you know, they have questions. How are you going to help me reach my goal? And what's the first step? And what's it like? What what do I expect? What do I wear? You know, like all those questions, how much does it cost? Like all of that stuff is important to understand if that's going to fit the gym. Um, and we try to be as transparent as possible. You know, like we try to just like, let people know, like, Hey, this is what we're all about. Like we really love the community aspect of things. So it's like small group personal training, but it's like, you're in like a fun group, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think interviewing and knowing what questions to ask are really important. So like, what's your philosophy on training or, um, how do you approach training or how do you approach my goal and whatever that is? Um, and if somebody's really honest with you and you catch a good vibe, maybe like, maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's too cheesy, but, Um, I tend to go with my gut with decisions like that. So if I'm feeling like, okay, then that's like the first step, I would say. Um, The second step is I would give it at least a week to see, because again, as I mentioned before, you're coming from a really vulnerable place. So you might be uncomfortable in any gym that you walk into for the first time. Um, And especially if it's been years, you know, but giving it more than one session sometimes will really be helpful because you're not going to capture everything in just one day, which is like what an hour, you know? So it's like, okay, if you come on a certain day and there's a bunch of high school kids there, then maybe that's not your vibe. But if you come at like five o'clock on a Wednesday, you know, like we'll have adults there and maybe that's your vibe. It doesn't. So it changes depending on the hour. And so I would say ask really good questions um, to make sure that the environment is going to suit what you want it to be and then try it for at least a week. Yeah. And I'd be careful to say that all CrossFit's like, cause there's plenty of CrossFit gyms that actually are like really welcoming too. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, Dan I know that. Flanick, defender was, of CrossFit. <laughs> I'm just saying like, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not coming CrossFit at all. I actually really like CrossFit, but I'm saying like from me, from my perspective, from, from yes. like some of my insecurities and stuff like that, that's like something and it's not even all CrossFit gyms. It could be any gym where like people yeah. just have their shirts off and whatever. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's all depending on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think too, like you got to kind of take responsibility for your own, like a little bit too, like, yes, people are in a vulnerable spot, but you got to have some, you got to be a little brave, like you got to have a little bit of courage. So, and, I mean, if they're making that phone call and they're coming in, like they're yeah. already keeping that. Yeah, yeah. But he's talking about like coming, like the, process of getting yeah. to that point too it's like just give it a shot like yeah. go try a place see how you like it it's like a restaurant like, go try it do you like the food go back <laughs> so yeah. i don't think there's i think it's 
it, I think it, once you're fed up enough with how you feel about where you're at in relationship to the goals that you, you might be dreaming about, then that's, you know, when you get fed up enough, you'll make the change. So yep. let yourself get there and then make the change. Yeah. I'd also add on, just have an idea of what, how much help you'd like going in. Cause obviously there's a huge spectrum of services that gyms offer. And yeah. Um, so for example, like for anybody listening, uh, Dan and Taylor's gym is very similar to ours where it's semi-private training, where there's always a coach with you and we're, we're programming for you. The price is going to reflect that obviously. So yep. if you're trying to find a place where you're paying 40 bucks a month and you always have a coach and the program's there and the timing is exactly, exactly what you want and the equipment's exactly what you want. You might be looking for quite a while. Um, and so just having an idea of like what realistically things cost and what realistically um, a good coach charges. Um, yeah. Cause a lot of people, when they walk in for the first time, they, they, they'd like a fair amount of help. And I feel like a lot of people kind of get blindsided because we have this idea that everything's super cheap in the gym world because gyms are often in a competition at the bottom where it's like, Oh, we're 10 bucks less than the leading competitor. And we're 10 bucks less than that. And it's just, it creates this, uh, this air of, cheap is better and it's, yeah. it's an investment in yourself right well it's been commoditized quite a bit too and like even even personal training certifications have become commoditized it's like you see it on groupon yeah to go yeah. like change your career but like but the, and then it's like there's different there's like subcultures of like the fitness industry which i think we'd definitely be a part of where it's like there's there's people who truly like dive into this so much to the point where it's like, you know, like there there's PhDs and like exercise physiology and whatnot. In my experience with people who, who go for those things there, they are extremely smart and obviously, and like have studied a lot, but there's a, there's all, there's a missing like piece between that and like practice. Coaching. Like there's a difference between like reading a research paper and actually coaching people. Like it's in, it, you utilize all of it. It's not to say like science is, not important obviously important but like there there's then there's people who have like you know earned their phd in actual like practice and coaching because mm-hmm. they've spent years trying to take the science that they consume and integrate it into a practice and then tweak it along the way because there's the human aspect you know not lab rat aspect so they, so I, I think like there's subcultures of people who well i don't know where i'm going but who are in that I forget what the question was <laughs> No, it's, 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 I think it's just saying that there's, you have to kind of know what you're looking for almost. Are you looking for somebody that's very, very technical and kind of research-based or somebody that's more empathetic, somebody that's more uh, uh, one-on-one coachable, somebody that specializes in group training, somebody like you have to kind of figure out where you, where you vibe with. I think that's what Yeah. You want like a good mix of like people who have learned through hard knocks and mm-hmm. people who have, and, but like also who actually like stay up to date. Yeah. And, but also with a filter. Yeah. There's a lot that goes <laughs> like into this. There is. It's, I think like coaching, like a sandwich, it's like you have basic underlying principles, like scientific principles that are just like pretty damn concrete, like progressive overload and specificity and managing fatigue and like things that, that are kind of like have to underlie every program that works. Like even if you're, even if you don't work. know. Yeah. Like even if you don't know that you're using them and you're making progress, like you're adhering to enough of those principles for it to work. So there's like, that's the base level, level, maybe of bread. Then, uh, then I think the meat is the art is the martial art piece of it. It's like, you have the bread, you have the meat, the martial art piece of it, where the, where it's like the coach takes those principles and applies them as he or she sees fit, you know, to a given person. And then there's like the top layer or like maybe the lettuce on the bread or whatever, where, where it's like, uh, the, up like current research where it's like people coming out with all these new research studies. So it's, it's like, you have the principles, you have the, the art, the coach, the influence of the coach. And then you have like the new research where, you know, um, you might not feel so concrete about it, but it's something that you take into consideration and you utilize in that sandwich, but it might, might not be like the most like solid grounds to stand on quite yet until there's been decades of evidence on a given thing to point in a certain direction. Love it. Taylor, anything to add there? Yeah. I feel She's like hungry now. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry. Now. I'm really hungry now. <laughs> All right. I think that is a 
pretty perfect place to cut it because that was a lot of really good stuff. And uh, we'll definitely have you guys back and talk about some of these specifics because we can dive into pretty much any of these specifics, I'm sure, and go crazy with it. Anything uh, you'd like to throw out before we close out? Any, any, if you, if you have to give, oh, let's just, let's put you on the spot. If you had to give somebody that's completely new to training and scared to start one piece of advice, what would it be? <laughs> one piece of advice. All right, all right. Down. All right, go, ahead. go slow. Like your progress doesn't come from a workout. It comes from an accumulation and it literally doesn't matter, especially when you're starting off, like you can do like you can just stand up a couple extra times in the day and you might get better from that. Like, so just go really slow, like chip away. That's something I've learned that the hard way over the last five years, just like, go really slow, be patient, chip away, just get a little better each time. Like start too easily, like start with something that you're like that almost bored with. You're like, that was, that wasn't hard. And then just build on it from there. Like whatever you, I think that is a principle that kind of applies across the board maybe maybe it's a phenomenon mine's gonna be start fast go really hard PR <laughs> <laughs> every like, day or leave. <laughs> no um i think again this is probably cheesy but be okay with being uncomfortable um and like doing something new i think a lot of times people coming into the gym, coming into the, that environment, it's, it's brand new, like I said before. Um, so it's coming from a vulnerable place, like be okay being there. Um, and you're going to, you're going to be vulnerable a lot in the weight room. So getting okay with that from the start and getting okay with like being in that spot. I tell people all the time when they squat and bench, they're my favorite. And one of my favorite cues to use on them is to dig deep because they're the two lifts out of like the four big ones that if you can't get back up, then you need help. So dig deep. Your body's probably capable of more than what you think, what your mind is thinking. Um, and be okay being in that spot where you're putting yourself in a vulnerable situation because hopefully your, your coach will take care of you. Yeah. No, I, won't. <laughs> like, I tell him like, if you I'm like, if do this bet, or die. Yeah. I'm like, you better get it or you're going to die. Okay. I, mean, I don't do that. <laughs> I do. I might step up a little bit, but then I'll step in if I need to. But, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. This has been fantastic, guys. Uh, for Thanks, those dude. of you that made it this far, you done good. You done real good. <laughs> and uh, hopefully there's some great takeaways. Um, I think you guys are in the, are you in the Facebook group yet? We have a Facebook group. I, I joined it. Podcast. See, there we go. Um, if you guys want to talk to Dan or Taylor about anything, that's a good place for it. Post your questions about uh, all of this stuff. And from everyone here at the Side of Stronger podcast, um, thanks for coming on, guys. It's been great. Thanks, thanks for having us. All right, take care.